Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Hi everyone, it's Doc with a special announcement. We are going to take a cruise through some of our most popular episodes from prior seasons to get everyone fired up. Now our new content will continue to drop on Saturdays each week, but we will also be re-releasing these great episodes on Monday for your morning commute. I know you've all heard about Classic Rock. Well, we're going to call these episodes Classic Doc. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy the ride. great believer that you had to do everything you've done to have got to where you are. Bill Bryson. The Northern California kind of messed with my head a little bit. Um, you hear on the Appalachian Trail people talk about the Virginia Blues. Well, the Virginia Blues, you're in Virginia for the majority. You know, you, Other than Virginia, you're crossing over states pretty frequently on the AT, but you're in Virginia for a very long time. So, you know, California, you're in California for 1,700 miles. Um, it didn't hit me till I hit NorCal. Like, this is the equivalent of the Virginia Beatles. I've been in the same state for 1,700 miles. Can I please move on to another state? Um, and it hit me hard mentally. I was in a rut for a couple weeks. I'm like, just let me move on to another state, please. It, it messes with your head. But NorCal was beautiful aside from that. But yeah, I was, in, I was in, down in the dumps for a while. I'm like, I just want to move on to Oregon finally. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. 
Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. Today, we are going to be talking with a hiker who has completed two legs of the Triple Crown and who, at this, as this episode is airing, is out on the CDT trying to finish it off. It is my pleasure to welcome to the pod, Jeff I.B. Tat Oliver. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about your trail name, I.B. Tat. We go strictly by trail names here on the podcast. So, you're I.B. Tat today. I'm Doc. And I'm always intrigued as to how you picked up the trail name. So, give us a, little, give us a story behind I.B. Tat. So, when I first meet people on trail and I say I.B. Tat, they assume it's because of these things right here. The whole tattoo thing. I let people believe that now because explaining the story I'm about to tell you has become exhausted or exhausting over the last two years. It originally came from my favorite movie of all time, which is Jeremiah Johnson, starring Robert Redford. Um, he plays a mountain man after the Civil War, and, and you've seen the movie, correct? Absolutely. So, so there's a so he's fighting off Native Americans the whole movie. He's a fur trapper, right? So he's sitting around the fire one night with his uh, mountain man buddy, and a Native American comes out of the woods and tries to kill him. Well, he kills the Native American, and then his buddy is like, well, maybe you should get out of these mountains and go down to a town somewhere where it's safe. And he looks at him, and he says, I've been to a town. So I stole that from my YouTube channel, hence the trail name. I've been to a town. I be tat. Very Didn't care for it much. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I'm writing that down. I don't want to forget that. I've been to a town. Excellent. All right. Hey, I be tat. Have you had a chance to listen to the podcast at all? I have a couple of them, yeah. Okay. So you may be familiar then with a regular feature we do called the uh, Pro Tip Insight of the Week. And that's towards the end of the episode. I'll turn to you and I'll say, hey, I'd be tat. What, what is your Pro Tip Insight of the Week? What little trick, tip, insight, piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? So don't be surprised when we get to that. Yes, sir. All right. And you... Getting ready to embark on the the third leg of the Triple Crown, you are an experienced long trail through hiker, so I am excited to talk to you about gear. I want to hear about your gear, and we've got a, a, a feature that we do this season. It's called the Must Bring Gear Review, and here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag, which is it kind of gets me a little nervous, but if you let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand, uh, that's even better. So, Ivy Tat, what's your what's your must bring piece of gear out there on the trail? Probably the 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 biggest thing that I've become attached to over the last two through hikes is my cook pot, which unfortunately I've lost and had to rebuy. But any through hiker will tell you you get a, you get attached to certain items out there. I mean, using it every day, every single day, all day, sometimes for six months at a time. So you get attached to these things. My cook pot is something that. Um, coffee is everything for me in the trail. I cannot hike without it. So that's the first thing I grab in the morning aside from my camera, obviously. But yeah, drinking that first sip of coffee on trail is, is, is a special moment for me. And then, you know, titanium doesn't really matter what brand for me, but a titanium pot that way, if I'm low on long fuel, you can always throw that on a fire. You know, you can boil water if you're to filter or, uh, you know, sterilize water. Um, yeah, the cook pot is everything for me. As long as it's titanium, I don't care what brand it is. Okay, very good. So I was going to throw out the, uh, is it Toke, T-O-A-K? Uh, yeah. I know that's a I, I, popular yeah. brand. I personally use the Toke's Titanium 750. And what, what's great about the 750 is it fits a small four-ounce fuel can, a small pocket stove, a lighter, and a pack towel 
all on that 750 pot, roll, real nice and snug. Plus, it cooks two ramen packets perfectly. So that's been my go-to for the last, I don't know, three years or so. Nice. And is ramen a popular meal for you on the trail? Oh, we're all broke as a dirt, you know, as, as through hikers. So you get to get real creative with ramen and yeah, it's a staple. You get sick of everything out there, but as long as you get creative with ramen, you, you can make it work for the majority of the six months before you get too sick of it. Nice. Nice. And how about the rest of your gear? What's, what you, what's your base weight? And, and tell us a little about your, your sleep system and your shelter. Oh, I don't know if I want to admit my base weight. <laughs> <laughs> I actually win my pack for the first time in a very long time just before as I was preparing for the CDT. So I'm, I'm kind of unique in that, you know, I carry a lot of camera gear. Everybody has their luxury items. My camera gear is stupid heavy, um, but I'm willing to carry it. So when I weigh my pack, it's 26 pound base weight. That's with all my camera gear. Now, that being said, the rest of my gear is all the ultralight stuff, the best of the best pretty much you can buy because I have, because I'm carrying all this camera gear, I have to make sure the rest of my stuff is as light as can be. So you said shelter and sleep system. Yeah, but um, before you before you get to that, though, sure. I mean, yeah. if, if your if your base weight is twenty six pounds, twenty seven pounds, yeah. with all your camera gear, I'm mm -hmm. thinking it, without your camera gear, you're probably like at an eight pound, nine pound base weight. That's I, that's I don't know about impressive. that light. Yeah, I don't know about that light, but yeah, I'm hovering pretty ultra light without that camera gear. Yeah, nice. Okay, very good. Yeah, let's hear about uh, your sleep system and your your shelter. All right, so the last two years, AT and PCT, I, I use the same quilt. Um, it's the Enlightened Equipment 20-degree uh, Revelation. That, that single quilt got me two thread hikes. Um, by the end of the PCT, my second hike, it was pretty much toast, but it, it made, you know, I made it work for two through hikes, so I definitely got my money's worth out of that. Um, as far as my shelter uh, on the AT, I started with the ZPAX Duplex, um, and I was having issues with that thing um, flooding out by the time I hit Virginia, um, at, the, at which point, I was in touch with Hyperlite Mountain Gear. I used their packs and stuff too. So Hyperlite was working on a couple of prototype tents at the time. Uh, if you're familiar with the Durgo 2 that's been released, they were actually working on a prototype one-person version as well, which they had sent to me um, in Duncan and PA, I think. And I actually carried that to Katahdin. Uh, um, and then for the PCT, I, I went ahead and switched over to the Hyperlite Mountain Gear uh, uh, HMG uh, Durgo 2. And that's what I used the whole PCT. Very nice. Very nice. Hey, I like your hat. <laughs> buddy of mine makes these he owes me money for how many i sell these <laughs> wearing it every day so for our listeners who may not be watching on youtube he's got a hat on that says hiker trash and so i i need to get the the manufacturer i need i need to talk to your buddy i need to get a hat like that that's awesome yeah well i would tell people that want this hat that you know you got to earn this hat if you've ever you know slept in a, a porta john then then you're you can wear this hat but if you're just wearing it to say your hiker trash now you got to live that lifestyle to earn it. Wow, it's a high bar. Okay, very good, <laughs> very good. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's uh, let's back up a little bit and kind of get to your origin story and talk about you know your background, where you grew up, uh, what kinds of sports and hobbies did you play when you were a kid, and was the whole outdoor experience any part of your your childhood? Sure. Well, I'm a Michigan boy at heart. I grew up in Michigan, um, and Michigan. You know, especially the Upper Peninsula. I, I lived in the southern, the southern uh, part of the state, but everybody's got property up northern Michigan. So I grew up a deer hunter. You know, I was the kid, you know, running around with hatchets and slingshots. You know, when other kids were getting video games. Um, hence, I actually cut this finger off in eighth grade with a hatchet because my dad's like, hey, go play in the woods and, and, you know, have fun. So luckily it's reattached. But, yeah. Well, um, you, I grew up, you, I, <laughs> you, you knew you knew enough to bring the finger back with you. So get, uh, get yeah, attached. I'm left-handed too. So I needed that. That was my trigger finger. So as a deer hunter, I needed that finger <laughs> to work. 
but yeah, I grew up in Michigan, just, you know, playing around the woods, uh, hunting and fishing, all that good stuff. Um, I was always an athlete, uh, grew up huge baseball fan. Um, my stepdad was my football coach in high school. So, you know, it's, I've always been, you know, into outdoors and, and, and an athlete. It's just, uh, you know, as I get older, uh, my whole hobbies now have changed, but I'm still in the outdoors. It's just switched over to hiking rather than hunting and fishing, you know. Right. And so grew up in Michigan, big baseball fan, baseball player. Are you a Detroit uh, Tiger fan? Yeah, they've uh, broken my heart many times. I lost $3,000 on the 2006 World Series, but I'll always be their fan, you know, fan of theirs. Okay. And I love, I'll always go ahead. I was going to say, as we're talking today, it's opening day for baseball. It's April 1st, opening day. And yeah. uh, who, are, are they playing today? I don't know. They, no, well, it depends if they play at home. Usually, the Tigers, their home home openers around April fourth, I think. I haven't looked okay. at their schedule, so okay. yeah, it's first first week of April. They'll be. I mean, it's cold in Detroit, so <laughs> spring in Florida is a lot different than spring in Detroit. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I think there's a bit of a leap between you know camping and hunting and and being outdoors and deciding that hey, let's put everything on my back and go walk. 2,200, 2,600 miles and be gone for three, four, five months. I mean, when did that idea enter your consciousness? Sure. Well, I had read uh, A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson, like a lot of three acres have. He got me hook, line, and sinker. So I read that when I was younger, but didn't really put two and two together. I mean, I enjoyed the book, but the whole concept of through hiking these long trails, it was just in the back burner of my head. Um, it wasn't really until I moved to North Carolina. I, and I was pretty into backpacking, doing the weekend warrior thing at the time. Uh, and I went up on, um, it's called Max Patch, North Carolina. The AT goes right over. It's just a big ball, 360 degree views. And I was up there on a weekend trip and a couple of through hikers came and camped up there. And I went over there and started, you know, talking to them. And, um, and I said, what are you guys up to? They said, we're walking to Maine. I thought that was the coolest damn thing in the world. So I went home and started nerding out on all this stuff and discovered about the PCT and the CDT and all these other long trails. And then I was hooked. Uh, two years after I got home from that, that trip on Max Patch, I was on the AT. So. That's how, uh, that's how I discovered all this long distance stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, before we get to the AT in 2018, I want to talk a little bit about your Instagram handle, which is saved by mountains. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with that, uh, with that Instagram? Mm -hmm. handle? I, I feel like there's a story there to be told. There is a story. Um, so, you know, many people that follow me know about my past, but a lot of people don't. So I'll give you a quick rundown. I was, I was basically an alcoholic most of my life. Um, the last 15 years before I sobered up were, it was bad. I was, you know, a daily drinker. I pretty much needed it to function. And I had lost my way in life. Whereas, you know, growing up a hunter and a fisherman and out athlete and all this stuff, I, I pretty much just threw, well, threw that all away. And I, I just drank my life away pretty much. Well, I came down to a decision. I had hit a couple rock bottoms, and finally I said, well, I asked myself a question. I said, do I want to live or do I want to die? I looked myself in the mirror. I said, I want to live. There's, there's too much stuff I want to do in this world. So I promised myself I'd never touch another drop, went cold turkey. But then at that point, I had a bunch of a big void in my life. So that's when I started picking up a backpack and hiking around. And um, so Saved by Mountains, once the mountains pretty much, they kept me sober um, and filled that void I had in my life when I quit drinking. And how long has it been now? Seven years. Yep. December, seven years, December 13th. Um, well, actually, December 19th, 2013 is the day I quit drinking. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. That's a, that's a Thank great you. story. It's probably, probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, I look at these long trails and, you know, it's, it, it's rough being out there six months and hiking 2,000 miles. But 
the hardest thing I've ever done was quit drinking. So I, I look back at those times I went through. Anytime I'm in pain on trail, I'm like, it can't be as bad as what I've, I've already been through, you know? Yeah, it, it's interesting to have those uh, comparative moments, right? You, you if, if I'm in my mm -hmm. regular business life and I've, I'm doing something tough, I'm like, well, it can't be any tougher than when I was out on the trail. And you've got a different perspective uh, where you're able to say, you know what, it's tough on the trail, but it's, it's, it's not nearly as tough as when I, when I decided to quit drinking. Right. Absolutely right. I mean, I, I look back at those times and as much as I want to forget some of those bad times I went through, I force myself to remember those sometimes when I'm having a rough day on trail because, you know, that gets me through a lot. A lot of the people in my life that I, I cause pain, a lot of people that cause pain to me, I use that as fuel. When I'm out on the trail many times. I'm like, you know, some family members or whatever say I would never amount to anything because I'm my drinking problem. I said, well, you know, screw you. I'll show you what I can do, you know. Right. So yeah, that, that, I use, definitely use those old bad memories as, as fuel for the fire, I guess. Right, right. Now, you, so you, you read A Walk in the Woods, you, you nerd right. out, you do all your research into the AT, and you get your gear and you head out 2018 on the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, 2018. So after I got, like I said, after I got uh, back off that trip off Max Patch, I started, you know, researching all the gear, bought all my gear. Actually, I went on two rabbit holes. I went to REI, like a lot of people do. I bought every single piece of gear in one day for the, my AT hikes, just excited as can be. Well, then I went down the, the ultralight rabbit hole and rebought everything. So I didn't even want to think of how much money I spent on gear for that first through hike, but I did it. And I'm glad I did because, you know, it, it would have, it made my hike a lot easier. I would have, I would have been at the guy out there with a 50 pound back pack originally, but I'd done my research and did a lot of shade down hikes. So by the time I hit the AT, I was pretty well prepared. Okay. And did you, did you start at uh, Springer mountain? No, I started in Amicola. Um, I was the person that did a day hike before a day for a real hike. Um, I actually, so if you don't know, there's an approach trail from Amicola Falls State Park that takes you up to Springer Mountain. It's eight miles. So some people start up at Springer. Some people do the eight miles up to Springer. I did that, but I went the wrong way on the first day. So my eight mile approach hike turned out to be 15 miles. And I got up on top of Springer. I'm like, this shit ain't starting out good. <laughs> but, but we made it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not a good omen when on the first day you, you double your mileage and go the wrong way. I just had my head down. I was like, we're going to go so excited. I wasn't even paying attention to the white blazes and or the, you know, the sign going up the Springer and I just completely went the wrong way. But we made it regardless. Now, when you started out on the AT, when you started this experience, did you have in your mind that you're going to be a, a future triple crowner or were you just going to you're just seeing how this one was going to go? No, when I decided to do the AT, I'm like the whole addictive personality thing is like still there. When I decided to do the AT, I decided to do all three of them. I wanted to do the triple crown from the beginning. That, I mean, when I go set my mind on something, that's it. I'm just full, full bore all the time. So yeah, I, I want to do all three of them, if not twice, eventually, you know. Right. You went, you went but, whole, whole hog. No, yeah, like Ron Swanson says, don't half-ass one thing or two things, whole-ass one thing. Yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, get them all done. But you got to do one at a time. So when I was on the AT, all I thought about was the AT. Towards the end of the AT, it's kind of like creeping in the back of your head. Well, let's start thinking about the PCT. So, um, yeah, I, I just want to do all three of them. I be Tad, I have to let you know that this is maybe, this is around episode 80 of the John Freakamere podcast, and you are the first guest to quote Ron Swanson. So congratulations <laughs> and thank you. I'm a huge Parks and Rec fan. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. That's great. So 
how did the rest of the AT hike go? I mean, I know day one was a, a little bit of a struggle there, but how, how mm-hmm. did the rest of the hike go? Did it live up to your expectations? Did you find yourself in situations that you weren't prepared for? Uh, not really. I mean, so when I, in 2017, before my through hike, I was preparing for my, my through hike. So I was living in North Carolina at the time, very close to the AT. And I pretty much spent my weekends and I would take weeks off to do section hikes to get my gear dialed in. And just, I just love backpacking to begin with, but it was shakedown hikes, getting my gear ready. What do I need to carry? Um, so by the time I had hit my through hike, I had pretty much section hiked almost half of the, half the southern portion of the AT. Um, so my expectations, once I got out there, it was pretty much the same as what I had been doing just for longer periods of time. You know, it's just, you know, a section hike is no different than a through hike, except you're just repeating that process over and over again. You're going on three to five days to every town and resupply, do it all over again. Um, it's, it's, the, the biggest hurdle to get over on the AT was just the weather, I think. Um, in 2018, it was one of the wettest years on the East Coast in, in years. And I remember it, it had rained on me like 12 days in a row through Virginia. So that kind of stuff you just can't prepare for. Um, you just have to – you get stronger mentally when, when you're out there on these through hikes. Everybody can take another step. The people that quit more times than not are quitting up in their head because you can always take another step. Unless you get a major injury, you're, you're quitting up in your head. So – your mental game becomes very, very strong while you're out there to keep pushing. Yeah, you, you've just confirmed a couple of things that I firmly believe, and that is the, the mental game is as tough as the, the physical game on these long trail hikes. And, Absolutely. And you can't eat the whole elephant all at once. You have to eat a bite at a time. And so I, I even break it up even further in my mm-hmm. analogy is all you have to do is, is get up, break camp, and then mm-hmm. go, go walk and mm-hmm. set up camp. And you do that, yeah. you do that 150 times or so, and you're, you're just about done. So, so got- I'll take it. I'll take it a step further. This is what I did. And you have to make your world as small as humanly possible, especially on those rough weather days. If you're hiking through snow, rain, sleet, whatever, I would break my world down to just to the next tree. I would look at one single tree, a hundred feet in front of me. I said to myself, I'm going to walk to that damn tree. I don't care how I do it. I'm going to walk to that tree. I get to that tree. I'd sit down, take a break. All right. I can see that peak, you know, about a half a mile ahead of me. I can make it to that peak. I get to the top of that peak. You have to do that. And those rough days, you have to break your world down to as small increments as possible. And that gets you through those days to get back to camp. So that's how I did it. That's excellent. And that's exactly what I do when I run. I pick a parked mm-hmm. car. I can run to that parked car. I just keep, I get exactly. to that, I pick the next point. It's just a series of checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Yep. And it works. It, it sounds crazy, but you know, when you're, especially when you're hiking 2000 miles, but you know, you can always walk to a hundred feet to the next tree. Excellent point. That's great. That's great. All right. Let's hear some stories from the AT. Did you go solo? Yeah, I hiked solo most of the time. I'd met a random friend at Amicalola and we, you know, we didn't plan on hiking together. We actually hiked up until the Smokies together and then I kind of went my own way. I would get in with groups and you know, a lot of tramways here and there. I didn't really join a tramway. That's not really my thing. But, you know, you, in the AT, it's so crowded. So you're meeting up with these same people at camp and uh, sometimes town stops. But for the most part, from the Smokies on, I, I hike by myself. Okay. And what, what kind of mileage did you average? What was your start uh, date I, and your end date? My start date was April 4th, and I finished October 4th. If you averaged it out over the whole AT, I think it turned out to be about 15 miles a day. Um, I slowed way down towards the end, mainly because I wasn't ready to be finished. I, I, if I had the money and not a dog to come home to, I would have just turned around and went the other way. But, um, yeah, I slowed way down towards the end. 15 miles a day is what it averaged out to be. 
Okay. And any, any wildlife encounters out there other than, other than fellow hiker trash? <laughs> yeah, that is the wildlife. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of bears on, on the ET. Um, a lot through the Shenandoah is probably where I saw most of them. Um, scared a few out of my camp. Um, but you know, the bears in my experience on the East coast and same with, you know, California bears, they're just big raccoons looking for food. Um, so yeah, a lot of bears, uh, a few rattlesnakes. I never actually never did see, I saw one rattlesnake on the AT, which actually he just, it was up in PA up during that Rocky section and he had just ate some, he was fat as can be. And he was laying right across the trail and would not move. There was cliff to my right and there was brush to my left. I couldn't go around him. So I sat on the trail for like a half hour throwing sticks at this damn thing, trying to get him out of there before he actually left. Um, so there was that. And then I had we've, a pretty... We've all, we've all felt that way after a big meal. <laughs> just don't want right? to move. Yeah, that thing was not moving. <laughs> and then um, probably the scariest uh, animal encounter I, I had was up in Maine. Um, after I crossed the Kennebec River, uh, it was early morning. You know, I wasn't quite awake yet. And I heard a bunch of crashing coming towards the trail. I'm like, what the hell is that? And uh, I didn't put two and two together. But, you know, moose are up there. And you can see their tracks walking right, they walk right down the trail. Um, and sure enough, this big bull moose started walking right towards me right on the AT. And, you know, then I'm thinking to myself, well, it's the rut now. It's like mid-September. And from the, what I've read, bull moose during the rut are just as dangerous, if not more dangerous than the grizzlies. So, I, I, you know, I'd never experienced a moose that up close before. And we kind of just stopped and stared at each other. We were maybe, I don't know, 40 yards apart. No, it was closer than that. It's probably like 40 feet now that I think about it. So we kind of just sat there and stared at each other for a while. I'm like, well, one of us has to make a move here. So I kind of took two steps towards him, and luckily he bolted, and I just heard him crashing through trees and small brush and stuff. But, yeah, that was, uh, that was the strongest cup of coffee I ever had in my life. That, that, that woke me up real quick. You were the bigger bull moose that day. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I'm glad it didn't swing the other way because I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Well, I talked to uh, Jeff Legend Garmeyer. Uh, I don't know if yep. you've heard of him. But I have. Uh, he was sharing about his his time on the Great Western Loop, and the time mm -hmm. that he came across what he thought were a pair of antlers laying, you know, off the side of the trail in the in the brush. And he went to go pick up the antlers to find out that uh, they were still attached to a bull moose. <laughs> I didn't hear that story, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Garmar Gar is crazy, man. That guy's uh, I, I don't know how he does what he does, but that, yeah, that dude's insane. Thirty thousand miles by the time he was thirty. Actually. Yeah. It, it, Crazy. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the eight to six hiker. I sleep in and I get to camp early. God bless that dude for doing what he does, man. I, I couldn't pull off those kind of miles. I, I, my ankle craps out at 20 miles, forget about 50, whatever he's doing. <laughs> yeah, he was funny to talk to man. Funny mm. as heck. Yeah. He's a good dude. Yeah. So what, what did, uh, what'd you learn about yourself after completing the Appalachian trail? Just that, you know, Everybody does this, and I do it too. You, 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 you don't give your body enough credit for what it's capable of. The human body is an amazing machine. And, you know, I've seen people of all walks of life on the trail, you know, overweight people, young people, elderly people. Your body is much more capable of what you give it credit for. You, you just keep walking. You get stronger. It's like take it one day at a time. So, and, you know, I, I knew that in my, in my head that what I was capable of, but I had to prove it to myself. And that, that proved it to myself on the trail. You know, being able to push through barriers multiple times on a 2,000-mile hike, you, 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 you go through these barriers multiple times on, on a six-month hike. And you just get stronger mentally, you get stronger physically, and by the time you hit the next trail, you're like, well, all right, what's the next challenge, you know? Right, right. And I noticed you said that as you got towards the end, you slowed down a bit, and that kind mm -hmm. of uh, 
fits right in with what I hear a lot of long trail hikers say, and that's, you know, acclimating after the trail. There's, there's post-trail depression. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. How, how did that go for you? So I have a history of depression to begin with. The whole alcoholism thing, I, I, I've, I've had a history of clinical depression in the past. So I, I never experienced post-trail depression. It was, just, it was just a different version of what I'd already gone through in my life. Um, but yes, it's 100% real. It's hit me on both trails after I've got off the trail. That's the one thing, you know, if you're, if you're uh, a, a thru-hiker or hopeful and you're, you're thinking about doing these long trails, don't just think about the gear. Just don't think about the resupply spots. Send yourself boxes. Yes, that stuff's important, but you have to start thinking before you even start what the hell are you going to do when you get out of that. Um, it's, again, it's something you cannot prepare for, but kind of in your head, know that your life is going to change drastically over a six-month period of time living in the woods. And, you know, it's just everything's going to be different when you get home. Everybody changes one way or another, some more than others. But, yeah, the post-trail depression thing, I get off trail and you're on a high, you're, you're running a, a high when you get off. At least I do for like a good two weeks at last. And then that high wears off. Right. And then you're like, what the hell do I do with myself? You know, you go out on a day hike. It's just not the same. You, you talk to people that have never hiked before through hike before trying to explain to them what you just went through. It's damn near impossible. So you need one thing I've noticed is, when I get up these trails, I reach out to other former through hikers, friends of mine that I've hiked with. And just to tell the same stories you've told each other over and over and over again, it makes you feel good. And it gets you through those tough times when you're missing the trail real hard. That's almost a pro tip right there. You, you just, you just wasted that one too early. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's great. Yeah. So what, what would uh, Mount Katahdin Ibitat mm-hmm whisper in the ear of Springer Mountain Ivy Tat? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm, let me think about that one for a minute. <sighs> Slow down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I milked that trail for all it's worth. Um, I, I, I think I, I got everything I wanted out of that trail. Um, I want to give you any other advice. It's not like you can do things differently. You can't change what you've already done. So Every high, everybody's height is going to be different. You just look back at those memories and you, you try to do it the best you can. Enjoy it the hell of it because some of these people, and, and me included, you're planning for these hikes for, for months, years sometimes. You need, you know, that's your hike. That's your time. You prepared so long for this. Enjoy the hell out of it. That's right. That's right. And can you, can you looking, speaking of memories of the trail, can you, can you pull out maybe the top three memories from 2018 AT hike? Mm-hmm. It's easy to say Katad, but 100%, you know, that when I hit Mount Katad, I had a Rolodex of memories that of the shit I've been through in my life, you know, from depression, alcoholism and everything. I had a roll, those Rolodex of memories were flashing through my head as I was seeing, walking up to that sign. And when I hit that sign, it was just a relief of off my shoulders. Like I'm done. I've done this. I have accomplished something that I've never thought I would. And that, that rush of emotions that comes over to you when you hug that Gatan sign, it's indescribable. It's the greatest feeling in, in the world. So that would have to be number one. Okay. Um, you know, when I hit that thousand mile marker, I, I remember that pretty good. I bawled my eyes out of that thousand mile marker. Again, it was the same feeling, you know, like this is what I just hiked a thousand miles. You know, that's to somebody, you tell them you walked a thousand miles, it's just mind boggling to them. And it was mind boggling to me when I hit that thousand mile marker for the first time. Like I just walked a thousand damn miles. That is insane. Um, 
and then you know on Springer it's like it's just the giddy feeling like it's like your first day of school almost right you you've done all this preparation but now you're actually here you never thought you would be um and that's just like you know this is freedom you're I'm on trail for six months I do what I want all I have to do is eat sleep and walk and shit for six months that is my only world right now. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And that goes for the PCT too. When I stepped on the PCT, I had the same exact feeling. Like this is my world for six months. I don't have to think about anything else. It's awesome. Ivy Tat, that's a very symmetrical top three moments. You've got the, uh, the, the <laughs> right. beginning, the end and 1000 miles. That's There's that's a lot great. of, uh, there's a lot of hiker trash moments in there too that stand out, but usually those are the bad stories. But yeah, those, those three moments will be burned in my memory for a lifetime. Okay. Any, any hiker trash stories you want to share? Oh God. I mean, you get used to shitting in front of people real quick out there. There's no privacy on the, on the AT. Um, you get mistaken for being homeless. Um, my personal favorite is probably, I made some woman dry heave up in Massachusetts. Um, I've never done that before. Um, uh, yeah, this guy, he's a follower of mine on YouTube and he was at work. He's like, well, I want to you know, come to my house. I'll cook you dinner. But he was still at work when I showed up to his, to Massachusetts, where I can't remember what town it was, but, so it says, so just come in my office and hang out until I'm off of work. So I go up there, full hiker trash mode. I hadn't showered in I don't know how many days. My gear just reeks. And I sat in his office and his poor secretary walked in the room and I was sitting there and I literally saw her like throw up in her mouth and then she walked out. And I'd apologize when I left, but yeah, that's when you can start wearing hats like this. <laughs> when you make nice. people try to. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear about the next year's adventure, the PCT in 2019. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Hey, Hiker Trash, this is Ginger Balls. You're listening to the John Frickin' Mir Podcast. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your pod podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. 
Welcome back. We're talking to IB Tat. I uh, just finished talking about the AT in 2018, and I cannot wait to hear about uh, his experience on the PCT the following year. So you finished the AT October 4th. Mm -hmm. What was the start date of the PCT, and uh, you know how much time and what did you do to prepare in between? Um, so my start date of the PCT was uh, April 18th. Um, the in-between time, it was basically because I'd, I'd I already prepared to go on the PCT the next year. It was just a matter of saving money. So it, you, that's not a long period of time to save for a through hike. I went home and I got two jobs and I just worked two full-time jobs pretty much for six months uh, to get my food money up for the PCT. Um, as far as preparation hiking wise, I really didn't do anything quite honestly other than day hiking, uh, a couple of weekend shakedown hikes, but I used the knowledge I had from the AT. I'm like, well, it can't be much different. Yes, the PCT is a whole different beast. So I did a little bit of research online as far as, you know, the first couple of resupply spots, um, talking to former PCT through hikers about what it's like hiking the desert, because I had never done that before. Um, what's the water situation like? Just basically, so I wouldn't die in the first stretch. That's all I wanted to know. And after that, it was just like, whatever happens, happens. So I trusted the gear that I'd used the previous year, pretty much used the same stuff and just, you know, on paper, looked at those first, that first stretch to make sure I can make it through the desert and then away we go. Right. And did you happen to run into uh, Scout? Have you heard of ba Barney Scout Man? They, they host first time uh, PCT hikers, take them to the, to the border. Yeah, they, I was going to stay there actually, and they were booked up when I started. Uh -huh. So um, I had to start out, <laughs> there's this, um, yeah, Campo, there's this little museum thing. I mean, they call it a museum. It's just basically a shack there in the middle of the desert. And I had a friend pick me up from the airport of San Diego, drive me to the shack, and I just like cowboy camped behind the shack and then walked to the terminus the next morning. I actually got picked up by Border, border Patrol. I was scared shitless because I had never been there before. And you see these helicopters flying around, you're right. And this Border Patrol guy comes up behind me, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to jail. All right, and I haven't even started the hike. He's like, where are you going? What are you doing out here? You know, give me crap. And then he's like, oh, I'm just messing with you. Hop in, I'll give you a ride to the terminus. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. You about made me piss my pants. You know, he's got a loaded shotgun right behind his, his truck seat. But he was a cool dude. What a way to start. That's awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure he did that to every PCT hiker that he saw. Right. Now, the AT and the PCT, two very different trails. You, you said yourself that the AT is pretty crowded. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is close to a lot of towns. I mean, it goes through nearby a lot of towns throughout the entire yeah. trail pct is a bit more remote mm -hmm. what what did your uh, what did your 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 sources your your pct hikers that you had you had consulted with what, what kind of advice did they give you uh basically it's the the water situation you have to be aware that it's not the words on et you've got water like every four miles on average i mean you, you don't carry more than a liter of water it's like, get your weight down. Don't take too much food because you're going to have to carry five, six liters of water sometimes. So that was my main concern is just figuring out the water situation. I've never hiked in the desert before. I've never hiked in that kind of heat before. Um, so it, it was just, you know, get your gear down to where you, you can carry that water weight because, you know, five liters of water, that's, that's, that's a lot of weight right there to have on your back. Um, but I, as, as I give many through hikers the same advice and they gave me, enjoy the hell out of it. Don't stress about the numbers. Don't stress about mileage. You'll get there when you get there. I, you know, I look at gut hooks app for water sources, camp campsites only. Um, I don't want to know, you know, big, you know, vistas that come up. I want to be fresh when I get there. So 
Um, you have to enjoy it, but just make sure your body's taken care of so you can, you can get through these stretches. So. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like of the, the many different, uh, ecological systems of the PCT, it has like a different personality depending on which section of the trail you're on. It sounds like the one that you were worried about the most was the desert. It was so foreign to me. I mean, when I thought of the desert, I'm thinking of some like Louis L'Amour, uh, you know, novel with tumbling tumbleweeds. It's nothing like that. I was, I was pleasantly surprised how green the desert was when I got there. Now, in 2019, when I did it, it happened to be a very green year. Um, it was a huge snow year in the Sierras. So, you know, those natural water sources that are out on the PCT in Southern California were flowing. Um, I think the biggest water carry I did was five liters, and I don't think I actually needed it all. Um, there are those longer stretches, but on the PCT, you also have water caches out there, which was a foreign territory to me. So you show up in the middle of nowhere and there's 50 gallons of water sitting there, which is heavenly. I mean, on the AT, you're used to cheeseburgers and pizzas. When you see water on the PCT, that's just as good, you know? Right. And how much, how, how much does five liters of water weigh? Do you know? Uh, well, one liter is 2.2 pounds, so, okay. it's, so that's, it's pretty damn heavy. Yeah, I felt it, and I was coming out of town, I remember. I had a full five-day resupply on top of five liters of water, and, and my, my shoulders were feeling it for sure. Uh, I was just chugging water at that point to get it off my back, really. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. when we were hiking the JMT, I said, we just got to eat as fast as we can. The pack's going to get lighter. Yeah, you always eat that he those heavy food items first night, get it off your back. That's right. And so what was your strategy for the desert? Were you going to do a lot of hiking late afternoon, evening, or did you just tough it out through the day? I had thought about it before I did it, and I didn't know until I got there what I was going to do. And a lot of, a lot of hike, PCT hikers night hike, I, that was not really my thing. You know, I film all throughout the day, so filming at night was kind of out of the question for me. I could have done it, but it just wouldn't have been the same. So, you know, I, I just hiked normal hours, and my body felt it for sure. I ended up getting heat exhaustion twice. Um, the first time it happened, uh, I was going into a place called Hiker Town. Um, luckily, it's somewhat of a town. There's basically a general store there, and that's about it. Um, it's not like I, it was crazy hot that day. It was probably in you know the low 90s, maybe, which is still hot, but nothing we weren't weren't used to. Um, I felt fine, you know. And then I got into Hiker Town. There's I went in that convenience store. I waited in line to buy some a few items, and I felt flush in the face. And I literally I ran out of the store and collapsed on the pavement. And uh, I was out for like a minute. They told me. Um, luckily, like I said, I was in town, so a couple hikers came over, threw some ice on my neck, put some candy in my mouth, and I came right back too. Um, but it was scary because I had never experienced that before. Um, the second time it happened, um, luckily I, I saw the signs coming ahead of time. I was on trail. There's nobody around. I was by myself. Um, and I, I saw the signs coming. I started to feel flushed. I sat down, drank some water, ate, um, ate some food, and, and luckily it, it passed after that. But it's, it's a scary situation. Um, I have a bad habit of not drinking enough water when I hike, and I learned my lesson the hard way on the PCT for sure. Yeah. Now, Hiker Town, that is – isn't that as you're coming out of the, uh, the foothills into the Antelope Valley? I believe so. My, my memory is a little fuzzy there on, on some of these towns, but that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah not, it's not much of a town, but um, yeah, it, was, it has everything a hiker would ever need there. Right. That, you know, that's, that's not that far away from my neck of the woods. When you were on the PCT okay. in 2019, when you were walking through uh, the Acton Agua Dulce part of the, the trail, you were probably a half hour away from me at that point. So, Oh, I got you. Cool. Yep. Right on. So you're up uh, over by the soft please over there. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, the soft please, I mean, those, those people are amazing. I don't know if you've ever met them, but I have for not. those folks to open up their doors to through hikers all season long for like 20 years, 
is just insane. The, the, the hospitality those folks put on is, is mind boggling. Yeah, there are several well-known trail angels along the PCT that uh, are just, what they do is incredible. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, hey, any rattlesnakes in the desert? Uh, a couple rattle, but I never saw one, thankfully, because uh, I have one, one of my major fears in life is snakes. Um, and I, I absolutely hate them. I'm terrified of them. Um, and it's in the back of your head when you're walking through the desert. They're out there. I had two rattle at me. Uh, one was right off the trail. I, I knew the rattle was coming from a bush right off the trail. I never did see it. Um, and again, another one rattle at me off in the distance. Never did see it, thankfully. But I get to camp that, you know, one night and some guys I could be camped next to be like hey do you see those six rattlesnakes today i'm like nope but they saw every single one and they couldn't have been more than a half a mile ahead of me you know so they i you walk past them but luckily i never saw them nice ignorance is bliss right yeah absolutely absolutely right i'm glad i'm glad <laughs> i never saw those things yeah i, I hate snakes i have a, I have a yeah i'm a def, definitely afraid of them all right so you started on the pct on april 18th what what was your what, what date did you enter the sierras uh, I think I entered the Sierras on June, or was it June 18th? I want to say. Um, at that point, you know, that year in 2019, it was it was a big snow year. It was I think it was 400% above average that year. Um, there was a lot of people hanging out in Keddie Meadows. I was there a week, just seeing what people were going to do if they're going to skip ahead. There was nowhere to skip to. Washington was still under snow, um, so a lot of people did a uh, weird flip flop flipping thing, like through Oregon for a little bit and then came back. I hung out at Kennedy Meadows for a week and then said, screw it, I'm going through. Um, at that point, I, I almost wished I had gone earlier, a couple weeks earlier, because what the issue we had, we left just late enough to where, you know, on a big snow year, you normally have ice bridges to call, cross some of these rivers. Well, mm -hmm. I, had left, I had entered the Sierras late enough to where most of these ice bridges were melting away. In fact, I had one break on me um, in the Sierras. Um, which was terrifying, but yeah, so you were not only having to deal with snow, but you were having to deal with all the river crossings that were, that were gushing, um, especially in the middle of the day and later in the evenings. Right, right. And did you have to change up your gear? Did you have some, some winter gear shipped in at that point? Um, I had hauled all my layering systems the whole way. Um, the only thing I had shipped up to Canyon Meadows was my bear canister and my uh, ice axe and some crampons. Originally, I was going to carry micro spikes, and I had micro spikes that were ready to ship, um, having never hiked in snow like that before, I was getting, I was second guessing myself and I was, I was pretty much scared shitless. So I said, all right, I'm going to get crampons just so I feel safer. I'm glad I had them. I probably didn't need them most of the time, but uh, yeah, I use crampons all through the Sierras. Okay. And maybe for some of our listeners who might not know the difference, what, what is the difference between crampons and micro spikes? So micro spikes are just like chains for your tires. Basically, they're just like little chain links that just wrap around. There's a rubber piece that wraps the chain around your shoe. You slip it right over your trail runner or your boot and it gives you a little traction. Now my um, crampons are just, they're spikes. They're le legit spikes that come every foot. So you got more grip on those things. You feel a little much more secure in crampons than you do micro spikes. They're heavier, they're bulkier, but Again, like I, I never hiked in snow before, so I was just going to go ahead, prepare for the worst, and, and haul the haul the spikes. Right, and since you since you mentioned it, trail runners or boots? I've um I've always been trail runners. Um, again, when I first got into backpacking, I did the whole boot thing, traditional hiking boot, and then once you switch to trail runners, especially as a through hiker, you never look back. I mean, boots are just bulky. You know that amount, you know, was a pound on your foot is five on your back. They say. 
when you're through hiking, you're pushing 20, 30 miles a day. You, you need to have some light on your feet. You need something that's going to dry out quick. Trail runners dry, you know, in a half hour on a sunny day. Um, so, yeah, trail runners, I'll never look, I'll never hike in anything other than trail runners now. And were the Sierras in the snow as tough as you had thought they would be? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything that I had uh, thought in my head, I was, I was scared shitless about going over these passes about 10,000 feet. And yes, a lot of them were terrifying. Mather Pass, I will never experience that again in my life. I will never do Mather Pass on that kind of snow year because I was terrified the whole time. Um, you know, you get better, you get more confident the farther you go through the Sierras. But those early passes like Forrester and Mather and, and uh, you know, uh, Glenn, th those passes, I was terrified for my life. Every time I went over those things, I didn't know if I was going to make it. Um, but you, you push through it and you learn a few tricks here and there and you get more comfortable as you go through. Very good. What were, what were some of the top moments from the Sierras? Oh, the views through the Sierras, it's just, it's postcard views every day. It's it, it, I'm looking at a postcard or a picture on the internet will never do it justice. It looks gorgeous on a picture, but you see that stuff in, in person. It's just mind blowing views wherever you look. It's like yeah. on the AT, you're kind of pick and choosing your camp spots. Like, you know, I got to hike eight, eight miles for a view. Well, on the PCT, it's like, well, I, I'm done hiking. Let's just camp here. We got a mountain here to look at. We got a mountain here to look at. It's gorgeous wherever you look. So, uh, yeah, it, just the scenery is just, it's a, it's a sensory overload when you go through the Sierras. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, talked about the frustration and I've had guests talk about the frustration of you come back from these trips and you try and tell your family and friends and you show them pictures, right? Hey, look at mm -hmm. this picture. And they're like, yeah, that looks, that's a nice picture. And you're like, no, no, it's not a nice picture. It's, it's, it's incredible. It doesn't, and I had a guest come on and he put it the best I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And that is the frustration of thousand word pictures. Cause a picture is worth a thousand words. The frustration of thousand yeah. word pictures in millions word locations yeah absolutely it, you'll never be able to explain something and you get you just tell them you have to go see this stuff for yourself I, I just can't explain to you i've never been to the grand canyon before in my life you know people say how beautiful the grand canyon is it'll blow your mind well i've never seen it you know you have to go see these places for yourself to get the full you know concept of what you're actually looking at yeah the sierras are, are mind-blowing beautiful yeah and i want to make sure i give that person credit my guest credit who who gave that description that was jay wilson author of elevation gain he had done the uh, the john muir trail with his wife and then came back and wrote a a memoir about it and uh, perfect description of the frustration of thousand word pictures in million word places so i can i can relate for sure <laughs> all right and so so the first the first zone of the PCT is the desert. Second zone is the the high Sierras and all mm -hmm. the beauty and and danger that comes along with that. And then you get into to Northern California. How did how did mm -hmm. that uh, compare to the first two sections? The Northern California kind of messed with my head a little bit. Um, you hear on the Appalachian Trail people talk about the Virginia Blues. Well, the Virginia Blues. You're in Virginia for the majority. You know you. Other than Virginia, you're crossing over states pretty frequently on the AT, but you're in Virginia for a very long time. So, you know, California, you're in California for 1,700 miles. Um, it didn't hit me until I hit NorCal. Like, this is the equivalent of the Virginia Beals. I've been in the same state for 1,700 miles. Can I please move on to another state? Um, and it hit me hard mentally. I was in a rut for a couple weeks. I'm like, just let me move on to another state, please. It, it messes with your head. But NorCal was beautiful aside from that. But, yeah, I was, in, I was in, down in the dumps for a while. I'm like, I just want to move on to Oregon finally. 
Yeah, you are not the first person to talk about that. It is a very <laughs> long state. Yeah, I and didn't. I, I didn't think it was going to hit me. And I don't know what it is because you know it's just a it's just a border. I mean, it's a, you don't see anything different. It's, it's just a, it's a not border. Like, yeah. It's a mental it's thing. Like, yeah, it's not like you magically hit Oregon and it's like beautiful green everywhere, like you know the Pacific Northwest. It's not like that, but it's mentally in your head. Um, when I was on the AT, I was talking to a friend of mine that was on the PCT. When I was like, and he just hit me up through social media, they just like. Man, I'm just jealous of watching your your Instagram feed. You're crossing over these states. I've been in California so long. And I'm like, dude, it's just the lay of land. You'll be fine. And then I get out there the next year. I'm like, I know exactly what that guy was talking about finally. Right, right. And then you get to Oregon. And did you participate? Or are you aware of the Oregon Challenge? Um, I think I've heard of it before. Remind, refresh my memory. So I guess there's two types of uh, challenges in Oregon. One is, can you? Can, uh, this is the time where hikers try and log their highest mileage day. So they go okay. 24 hours and try and put as many miles uh, on their boots as possible. And the other, the other Oregon challenge is to try and do the entire state of Oregon in two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard of both of those. Yeah. I don't want any part of any of those. <laughs> not, not well. I'm not trying to break records over here. I'm out enjoying myself. Um, I, I, you naturally do bigger mile of days in Oregon because it's, it's flyer than what you're used to. And my biggest mileage days, mileage day was in Oregon. I think I did 38. Um, yeah, my body felt it the next day and my ankle crapped out. I had to take three zeros in Cascade Locks because of that 38 mile day. So I don't even want to party these, you know, 24 hour challenge. You know, I'll do some eating challenges, but I'm not trying to kill my body out there. <laughs> I, I like taking naps in the middle of the day too much to be pushing 40 miles. Nice. So 30, a 38 mile day followed by three zeros that averages out to nine and a half miles a day. <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't do those kind of mileages. Yeah. My ankle, I, I go, I woke up in Cascade locks that next morning and I already have a pre-existing ankle injury. So I'm not used to, I can't push those kind of miles. It was been pissing rain on me for so long at that point. I'm just like, I, I'm getting into town. I don't care how long it takes me. So that's why I did 38. Well, I got in Cascade Locks, woke up the next morning, and I couldn't put pressure on my right foot without a pack on. I couldn't even walk around town. So, yeah, I, I posted up there in Cascade Locks for three days so right. I could get some weight on my back again. Right, right. And um, how long were you in Oregon? Oh, I did Oregon about – I think it took me a month to get Oregon through Oregon because of my ankle. Um, yeah. Like I said, I got into Cascade Locks. I stayed there long enough to be able to put weight on my back, but I was pretty much limping all the way to all the way to Canada at that point. So I was I was forced to do you know twelve mile days when I was used to doing twenty plus. Um, so it took me a good long while to get to Oregon just because of my ankle. Okay, and then how did the terrain change in Washington? Did you enc encounter a lot of rain or snow in Washington? It was, in Washington, it, yeah, it turned to snow. So I showed up to Washington late. Um, I actually finished the PCT October 25th, which, you know, they say get, get it done by end of September uh, just to beat the snow. Well, I just can't push those kind of mileage because of my ankle. So we ended up hiking into a three-day blizzard, and pretty much the last 120 miles were snow, and the last 60 were just post-hauling. Oh, that sounds miserable. Yeah, there was no trail up through the Northern Cascades. Like, it was buried under snow. It was, it was like Sierra's part two. Um, we didn't see the trail. It was, there was no, we were post-hauling. We were breaking trail the whole time. So that last stretch in, in Washington took us, uh, I think it took us 70, seven days to go um, 60 miles or something like that. 
um, which at that point you're pushing mileage pretty hard. You should be able to finish that in a few days, but yeah, it took a seven because of the snow. Wow. And you say we, we were post tolling. Did you pick up a tramway on the PCT? Yeah. The one time I joined a tramway, <laughs> I got into, uh, where was it? Stehekin, I want to say, I can't remember, but it was that last stretch. Um, and I was, a lot of people were bailing at that point because winter came and a lot of people didn't want to go through it. Well, I was ready to push, you know, I wanted to make it to Canada, obviously. So I was sitting in town trying to recruit some other hikers that were still lingering around to go join me. Um, couldn't find anybody. So I had heard of a group that went out a day before me. I ended up going out solo and I'm like, well, I don't think I can catch these guys, but maybe I can. So I pushed big mile days the first two days out of town. Luckily caught up with those guys on the third day. There was a group of four of them, which ended up being three. Um, and then I finished with those three other guys. The last last 60 miles we hiked together. Okay. You want to give them a shout out? Who were they? Yeah. My buddy Beats, who I've hiked around the AT in 2018. We've hiked through much of Maine together. Um, randomly ran into him. at That last stretch was just crazy. So my buddy Beats, uh, Rabbit Rabbit, and uh, Snazzy. Um, those two guys, if it wasn't for them, I probably would have never made the border. I probably would have bailed. Uh, if I had gone out that whole 60 miles by myself. So I owe those guys a lot for, uh, you know, we push each other through the, the, that snow there at the end. Beats, Rabbit, Rabbit, and Snazzy. Yes, sir. Very good, good. Very good. I'm going to look them up. Now, take, take me through the, you're heading towards the, the Canadian border. Uh, mm -hmm. How did the emotions compare to when you're approaching Katahdin? It was a lot different on the PCT. Um, you know, like I said, on the AT, I wasn't ready to be done. So I was slowing down, just trying to milk it for all it's worth. On the PCT, I had overstayed my welcome pretty much with the weather window. So, you know, Mother Nature was saying, get your ass off the trail or you're not going to finish. So we did everything in our power just to get it done. It was more of a relief when I hit the northern terminus of the PCT than anything else. Um, I was just so relieved to be done um, because – it was exhausting mentally and physically. It pushed us to, to the edge. It pushed me to the edge. I mean, I was exhausted um, when I got done. It was, it was, it was very, a, a very big sense of relief when I hit that terminus. Okay. And we're going to do just like we did on the AT. Can you, can you distill it down to uh, three moments? Is it going to be the oh, beginning, the end, and the middle again? It, it probably would. Now, the, <laughs> the beginning was kind of like I was in a daze. I'm like, when I got to the Southern Terminus, I was like, what the hell am I doing here again? I'm on a long hike. I was like, I wasn't quite in in my head yet. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, that that finish, I, I must say the best moment was the last 60 miles. It, there was no particular moment. It was just what we had pushed through. I pushed through, through with those three guys. Uh, it was just unbelievable. It sucked at the time, but looking back at it now, it, it was it was fun as hell. I mean, we, we went through some pretty crazy stuff that last 60 miles. So um, th that's that's going to stand out in my mind for a very long time. Um, the Sierras, you know, it's clear sunrise up there. Um, it was just beautiful. I mean, you know, it's it's just something something out of a movie, really. Um, and you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a, those. those Crossing in the Sierras and those river crossings, those are always going to stand out because those times I never thought I'd make it to camp a lot of times. And you're crossing some of these rivers on step and you're, you're floating down the river a lot. So I'm going to say on the third one is just those barriers that you break through on the PCT. It, it, like I said, that whole – I'd never been to California, Oregon, or Washington before. So it was all foreign territory for me. So being able to push those barriers that I've never done before in the past – um, those are some special moments for me personally, kind of a, a personal victory, I guess you could say. Okay. 
And I'm going to put you on the spot here. I know that you are in Georgia right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, PCT versus the AT, which, which one do you enjoy? Which one did you enjoy the, the most? I'm going to say the AT because, you know, you'll, you'll talk to many through hikers and it's usually their first love. A lot of them are. And the AT was my first love. It's where I fell in love with backpacking and hiking. I will hike the AT as long as I can hike. Um, it just holds a special place in my heart. Um, they're just two different experiences. I wouldn't say one's harder or better than the other. This is different experiences. The AT is always going to be special to me because it was my first hike. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. All right. Hey, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, the Foothills Trail. And then I want to talk to Ivy Tat about the upcoming Continental Divide Trail hike, which he is leaving in just a matter of days from when uh, we're recording right now this interview. And actually, as this is being played on your radio, uh, he's out there on the trail. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. I'm Jeff Garmeyer. I've hiked 30,000 miles in my life and I'm 30 years old. I've done the calendar year, Triple Crown, the Great Western Loop. And this year, I'm going to be attempting the Barkley Marathons. And you're listening to the John Freaking Mir Pod. And welcome back. Let's talk a little bit about uh, 2020. And it's interesting to me that you did the AT, the AT in 2018. You did the PCT in 2019. I'm curious as, is, as to whether or not you were planning on doing the CDT to finish off the Triple Crown in 2020, or did you have to cancel that because of uh, the pandemic? So originally when I decided to do the Triple Crown, I thought it'd be cool to do them back-to-back years. So that was the original, original plan. Now, um, as I got hiking on the PCT, it was just taking a lot of out of me mentally. I hiked back to back years. So um, about halfway through the PCT, I'd say I decided I'm going to take the year off um, for, for a couple reasons. Um, towards the end there, like I said, I was mentally beat and I needed a year off to reset my body and mind. And also I've left, I have a, I have a seven, uh, a seven year old Bassahan that I leave at home. So I, I missed my hiking partner. I wanted to be around my dog for a full year uh, after leaving my home. So um, between those two reasons, I decided to take 2020 off. Uh, of course, this was before the pandemic even happened. So it wasn't like I had planned to hike and then COVID kicked me off the trail. Um, I needed a year to reset everything. Got it. And what's the name of the Basset Hound? Roscoe P. Waggletails. He's, he's pretty famous on the internet. Really? Okay. <laughs> Does he have his own Instagram account? No, he doesn't. I've been thinking about doing it, but yeah, he's, a, he's, he's, He's all over my Instagram. <laughs> all right, Roscoe. Very good. Very good. So what did you do to keep sane in 2020 if you weren't on a long trail? Well, I had to get my fix and day hiking wasn't really doing it for me. I live on the Appalachian Trail at the base of Blood Mountain. So doing Blood Mountain for day hikes, that kept me sane a little bit. But I, I needed a little bit more to get my quote unquote through hiking mind uh, you know, back. So I decided to go over uh, on 2020 for Thanksgiving and do the Foothills Trail which is in South Carolina. It's about 75 miles, um, runs from Table Rock State Park to Oconee State Park. So it's a gorgeous trail. And over Thanksgiving, the fall colors were, were popping pretty good here in the South still. So um, it was a great, great way to get my mind right again and just uh, live kind of like a, a backpacker, you know. Nice, nice. Okay, let's talk about the Continental Divide Trail. What have you heard? Sure. What are you expecting? 
Oh, I was, I'm hoping for not a lot of snow like on the PCT. Um, I've been checking the weather report. That has been my main, you know, preparation. What Colorado's doing with the snow and the San Juans? Because you know, in 2019, I had a couple buddies that did a CDT in 2019. They went through the same thing I did in California uh, through the San Juans. They were through going through there with snowshoes. So you just can't predict the weather on these long trails. You're at the mercy of Mother Nature a lot of times. Um, so you know, I think the snowpack as of now is pretty normal. Um, so I'm going to, you know, leave mid-April about the same time I left with this, um, the PCT and hopefully it's not as snowy and uh, just try to push it all the way northbound. Have you heard of ginger balls, the triple crowner? I, I've heard of ginger, ginger balls. I don't know too, uh, a, a lot about them though. Okay. So he, he came on the, the, the podcast and talked about mm-hmm. his experiences on all three trails. And he was not a big fan of the CDT, particularly the start of the CDT down in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He said it was, he said it was pretty rough down there just in terms yeah. of, you know, lack of a trail and lack right. of uh, water sources without cow patties in them. He right. This is a pretty, pretty rough start. He said if he would have started in the, on the CDT as his first long trail, he's not sure he would have finished. Yeah, I heard that. Now that was another concern of mine too. Um, normally the CDTC caches you water and drives you to the Southern terminus and the Southern terminus is in the middle of nowhere. So, and there's no water out there than those cow patty, you know, deals. So, um, normally, the CDTC will shuttle you and cash you water for a price. Now, this whole COVID thing is still lingering. They decided not to do it again for 2021. So you're on your own to get into the terminus, and you're on your own for water caches. That was another concern of mine. Um, I hit up a couple local boys there in Lordsburg, New Mexico. Um, they have stepped up, and they're caching water for donations. Um, I have a lift coming from Texas to the terminus, so that's covered. So the main concern in New Mexico is just getting those stretches, that first 80 miles or so done with no water. Um, but as far as right now, I've been promised there's going to be a water force. We'll slip them 50 bucks here and there, and, and away we go. So, All right, very good. I hear the Border Patrol is also active down in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 <laughs> I just finished watching Breaking Bad for the first time. I probably shouldn't have. So I'm, that's, that's going to be in the back of my head, too. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Now, the CDT is the longest of the three. It's 3,100 miles, depending on, you know, which route you take. There's a lot of alternates uh, on the CDT. Have you got that mapped out or are you just going to play it by ear? No, I'm I'm playing it by, I'm a fly by the seat of my pants kind of gal. So I'm just going to wing it. Um, You know, I talked to previous through hikers on the CDT and they said, if you're going to take any alternate, take the Wind River High route because your mind's going to be blown. Um, so that's something I'm considering, but I'm just going to play it by ear and whatever comes, comes do as little road walking as possible. Obviously, you know, the higher passes you can do, the better. That's why you're out there. You don't want to be road walking to Canada. It's just not the same. Yes. You, you did a through hike, but nobody likes road walking. I hate it. It kills your feet. So, um, we'll, we'll play it by ear and, um, you know, it's just kind of the choose your own adventure trail. So, you know, take it for what it's worth and, and just make it up as you go. Yeah, I'm not going to second guess anybody who's going to walk 3,100 miles, but my two cents, uh, if you can stay off a road and be up a, high on a mountain pass, that's where you should be, man. Always better. That's why you're out there, yeah. Ro- yeah, road walking sucks. It kills your feet. It's horrible. It's mindless walking. Nobody likes that stuff. Yeah, and I, you're not the first person to talk about the uh, Wind River route. That is uh, a, popular, mm-hmm. a popular destination. Yeah, I've done a little research on it, not, not too much. Yeah, it looks amazing. We'll, we'll see when we get there, but I love to do it for sure. What's your, your start date? Uh, so I fly out to El Paso, Texas on April 12th. Um, I'll probably start around the 15th. I really don't have an exact date. So kind of get there when I get there, mid-April, somewhere around there. 
That's two weeks from today. Yeah, yeah, it's it's coming up. <laughs> I'm getting pretty antsy. Yeah. And what are, what are the emotions going through you right now, knowing that you've got two of them done, you got one left, and you're you're within two weeks of of striking out? I, if I if I don't finish the CDT, it's not going to be the end of the world. These trails are not going anywhere. You know, I'll go back and do it again. I don't. It's if I don't finish the, one of these long hikes, it's not like it's the end of the world to me. You know, it's not all about the triple crown. You know, people think someone's doing a triple crown, they put them up on a pestle. You're not any different than anybody else. I don't, I don't give a shit, right? It's cool to say you did the triple crown, but that's not the big picture. The big picture is you're out in your tent for six months at a time living how you want to live. That's, that is why you're out there. You're not here to gather medals and mileage numbers, and it's just stupid to me. You're out there to have a fun time and enjoy Mother Nature. You know, that's it. Absolutely correct. Can I get a commitment out of you to come back and do a, a segment on the podcast when you're done with the CDT and just tell us how it went? Absolutely, dude. I'll talk hiking all day, every day. It's my favorite topic in the world. So I'll, yeah, have me back on, man. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Fantastic. Hey, let's talk a little bit. I know you've talked a lot. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of times about your camera gear. And so mm -hmm. I want to talk about your photography. I want to talk about your Instagram account. You also have a YouTube account too, mm -hmm. correct? Yep. Yep. So, so what kind of content can, can people expect to find there? So on um, the YouTube side of things, I, I started vlogging on the AT. I do a, an everyday vlog. So you can go back and watch every single day of my hike on the AT and PCT. Same thing is going to be for the CDT. Um, cameras break, things happen, but that's always the goal. Film every day. I don't filter myself in any way possible. What you see is what you get. I try, I started out as my video journal. Okay. There's a lot of people out there putting pen to paper every night in their tent. Mine's no different. I just do it on video. So I put everything out there, um, take it for what it's worth. I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, you will see the, the, the tears, the pain, you know, getting pissed off. You will see everything. I, I put my emotions out there. So, um, you know, I, I try to make it as real as possible. As far as the photography thing goes, I've got camera in hand all day long. I took 6,000 photos on the PCT and landscape photography has become a major hobby of mine over the last year. That's why I'm the guy carrying eight pounds of camera gear out there. That's my luxury item. That's what I love to do. It makes my hike more enjoyable. Um, people ask me all the time, isn't, doesn't doing this YouTube Instagram thing take away from your hike? And I think it's the complete opposite with me. When I have a camera in hand, I am observing Mother Nature in a very short window, and I'm seeing compositions left and right all day long. It's forcing me to look at nature close, closer than I would have and just bypassing something like, oh, there's another mountain. No, no. Look at the light shining off that mountain. You know, you, you get to that, you know, the blinders on, you see Mother Nature a little closer. Um, that's what I love about landscape photography. So, yeah, I'm out there with camera in hand all day, every day. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about your YouTube channel. I mm -hmm. think that it's pretty valuable. If, if, if you're out there, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm thinking about doing a long trail. I've never done a long trail. I'm thinking about doing it. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking your YouTube channel is the place to get some valuable insight in, in, as to what the day-to-day -day experience is on a long yeah. trail. There's a million gear videos out there. I don't do gear videos. There's a, you can find them on YouTube everywhere. There are a dime a dozen. Um, I try to bring an experience to people that follow me. I get comments all the time. You know, you know, I, I have a wife and kids at home or a husband and kids at home. I have a mortgage. I'll never be able to get into these long hikes, but you bring the trail that much closer to me. So I try to give these people the experience I go through to the, go, uh, that I go through so they can experience the trail, the, the trail themselves the best they can. 
Um, yeah, I, I do talk about gear and I do, do talk about tips and tricks as I'm doing things, but it's more or less the experience I go through. People can relate to it sometimes. Um, you know, listen to my story of how I got sober and backpacking saved my life. A lot of people gravitate towards that side of it. Like this guy's have the same problems I have. Maybe I can get out there and do that kind of stuff. So. Fantastic. Let's do a, a, a an impromptu top five list. What are, what are the top five watched videos on your YouTube channel? And the number one last time I checked was my, my beginning of the Appalachian trail. Um, that was the, that was the big one. That was the start. Cause there's a lot more people that do App, the Appalachian trail every year. I think than the other trails, I think you, on average, you're getting five to 6,000 people. I think they say attempting a three of the AT every year. So as these hikers get closer and closer to their start dates, that video always pops up in their feed. Like they're researching what's it going to be like the first day. Um, so I think that video gets a lot of views. A lot of my compilation videos, I'm known for my ranting on YouTube. Um, I told you I'm unfiltered. So if something's on my mind and I need to vent it out on camera, you will see it on YouTube. So those ranting videos are probably some of my most viewed ones. Um, Cause like, oh, this is a real dude going through some real shit. <laughs> I can relate to that guy. All right. How about uh, any others besides that, besides that one? What other, what other great videos um, do you have? Well, my personal favorite videos are some of them. They don't have the most views. The, the ones uh -huh. I'm quite proud of the most. It's weird. Um, you, you see the cliche. I've done the gear videos in the past and those always get views because people like talk nerding out on gear and I'm like that too. Um, but the videos that I'm most proud of that I t spent the most time editing and stuff, you know, like that final stretch I did, I did a compilation of the final stretch in Washington. I love that video. I go back and watch it almost weekly. Um, but it's got like 2000 views. It's like one of my least viewed videos. So I don't know. It's, I don't pay attention to it too much. I make these videos for myself mostly because I want to go back 20 years from now and see every day of my, my hike on video. That's why I make. Hey, I beat that. You know where we are? What's that? I said, do you know where we are? No, where are we? We are at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What mm -hmm. little, what little bit of insight or wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? I won't call myself a professional. I'm just a dude that walks for a living. Um, the biggest piece of advice I give people, there's no, there's no secret thing to hiking these long trails. It's a simple, you know, you don't quit. That's easy to say, but you, you go out and do these hikes to enjoy the experience. Okay. You, this is why you're hiking. How do you finish the long trail? I don't, I don't know. You just walk, you know, there's no science to it, right? You just enjoying it. So you have to develop a strong mental game. If any advice I can give to you, you, you're going to quit mentally way before you quit physically. Okay. It's going to happen. You're going to go through ruts on these trails. I do it. I, I've done it on the last two hikes. I go through like two week ruts, ruts sometimes where I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, screw this. I don't want to walk anymore. But you get through that day and you get to the next day, maybe the next week. And then the birds are chirping and sunshine and you're, you're fine again. So you never quit on a bad day. Um, if it's, you know, sunshine and, and rainbows and it's 70 degrees and sunny and then you want to quit and you've, you've you've hiked what you want to hike then go ahead and throw in the towel but you just never quit on a bad day these are marathon hikes you're going to have bad days like everybody else in the real world does you just push through them and, and you'll make it there eventually just enjoy the hell out of it i love that never quit on a bad day exactly there's plenty of days where you know your ass is chafing my toenails are falling off you know i'm running out of food 
I just like 26 miles on one packet of tuna. Yeah, it's easy to throw in the towel in those days, but the next day you hit a all-you-can-eat pizza buffet and, oh, shit, now my mind's all right and I can go hike again. You know, let's do another 30. Nice. So there you have it. That's it. This bonus episode for season two is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with IB Tat. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier, but uh, once again, IB Tat, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? All right. Social media. Oh, unstable. You hear me, bud? Social media. Uh, Instagram, YouTube is about the only ones I do these days. Um, my Instagram handle is Saved by Mountains. Posting every day. You might get sick of me because I post multiple times a day while I'm on trail. Uh, but like I said, photography is my hobby these days. So I'll be out there posting on Instagram and YouTube. And just search IBTAT. stands for I've Been to a Town. Just search that on YouTube. See every day of my hike on the AT and PCT and upcoming here on the CDT. So check it out. Nice. And are you going to post those videos daily from the CDT or those are uploaded after you get done with the hike? No, they're posted about, about a two week cushion. So once I get on trail, I give myself about two weeks so I can get content there. And then once I have that built up, then they start pushing out every single day until I'm done. Fantastic. We can follow, we can follow along as you, as you go. So that's great. Absolutely. Okay. Hey, remember to follow the, uh, the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. Ivy Tad, I'm also looking for you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, something, some kind of adventure media to keep mm -hmm. our listeners connected to the outdoor experience. Do you have anything you you'd like to recommend? Uh, well, what got me a hook, line, and sinker with this whole long distance hiking thing is a walk in the woods. I've read that book probably 10 times. One of my favorites, it never gets old. I have not seen the movie because I heard it's garbage. <laughs> but um and as far as movies go jeremiah johnson i watched uh, i've watched a million times in my life i was almost named jeremiah after that character it's my favorite movie of all time and that's why my youtube channel is called what it is so yeah jeremiah johnson with robert rudford you will not be disappointed excellent recommendations both and before we wrap things up i've started a new segment called what have i not asked you that you're dying to tell me about you have a, a, a spectacular hiker trash story that uh, we haven't heard yet Oh, yeah, 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 I do, but I don't know if your listeners are going to want to hear it. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a bloody mess. Um, you know, the whole, the whole chafing thing. Okay. So this is where I was. I think I was in New York on the AT and, um, my ass and I was just chafing real bad. Right. So I get down to this river and I got to pee. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm pissing next to this tree and I go, I reach down, pull my pants down and my nutsack looked like a, a a vanilla ice cream cone dipped in strawberry syrup. It was the grossest fucking thing of all time. And it's like, well, hiker trash, keep moving. Um, I got mistaken by a homeless guy one time in California. Um, I'd gotten a hitch to this gas station. I was sitting outside eating a tub of ice cream, looking this is extremely homeless. This guy pulls up. He's like, you know, can I pay for your dinner tonight? Or do you need a place to stay tonight? You thought I was legit homeless. And I said, no, but you can give me a ride back to the trail. He had never heard of the PCT before. So, you know, that whole ride back to the uh, the trail there uh, pretty much changed his mind on what I was doing. He thought I was legit homeless, you know, hiker trash stuff. <laughs> I beat Tat, keeping it real. Tell us how, how it really is out on the trail. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Any uh, any shout outs to friends and family? I beat Tat as we wrap up from the John Freaky Muir studio. 
I'll give a shout out to my boys that I'm going to see on the CDT this year. I mean, I know there's a lot that I've met over the last couple of years on the trail that are hiking this year too. So I hope to see you guys out there and uh, relive some old memories and make some new ones out there, man. I can't wait. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you have to stare down a bull moose. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Amen to that, brother. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Spend your Saturdays with Life on the Water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. (laughs) Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. (laughs) The destination for outdoor entertainment.